Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will recap the week that was, including thoughts and reflections on the September jobs report, where we stand with the debt ceiling, and a look into the week ahead. Uh, joining me here for the conversation, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Brian Rose, Senior Economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Brian, happy Friday. Welcome back and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everyone. So, Brian, beginning with the September employment report, which we did receive just a few moments ago, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Brian, reflections on the data, how it measured up relative to your expectations heading into the release, and have we seen anything in the way of a notable market response? Sure. So uh, there were quite a lot of surprises in, in the payroll data, but not much market reaction, at least. So far, uh, payrolls themselves, the headline figure had another big surprise to the downside, only 194,000 payrolls in September. market was looking for 500,000. But uh, the news wasn't all bad, so there were up revisions, added 169,000 to the previous two months, especially last month. Uh, originally reported at 235, now 366, which is you know solid to gain. Also, if you look just at private payrolls, right, if you eliminate the government jobs, private payrolls 317,000, which is you know pretty solid uh, result. And I think you know important point to keep in mind uh, in terms of you know, how does this affect the Fed, or the fact that payrolls are so much weaker than than expected. The single most important number for the Fed is how payrolls compare to where they were before the pandemic hit. This is this is the number they're focused on, and again, because we had upward revisions, uh, that number is now that gap between uh, you know now and where we were before the pandemic. That gap is below five million, and because of, you know that gap is continuing to shrink, and also there are other you know positive signs. To like uh, you know, record job openings and uh, you know, obviously very strong demand for labor, yeah, I think the Fed will go forward, uh, announce the taper at the next meeting on uh, on November third. Um, but again, it's it's a closer call than I would have uh, you know thought. If we had had five hundred thousand payrolls today, it would be, there would be absolutely no question. But this is, uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, at at the borderline for, um, you know, for announcing the taper. And I would also point out, you know, at at the last uh, FOMC meeting, the, the press conference, Fed Chair Powell said, you know, basically that we're there, you know, in terms of making substantial further progress on the labor market. He said that, you know, he just needs to see a decent jobs number. And I think this report overall with the upward revisions, with, uh, you know, the reasonable number in private payrolls, I think this will meet that definition of, you know, that standard of decent. And, and I, again, I do expect the Fed to, uh, to go ahead. Uh, one, other, one other thing to point out is the unemployment rate came down to 4.8%. Uh, you know, the Fed uh, and, and other economists talk a lot about, well, this number is sort of understating things. Because um, you know, there's a lot of people who are technically out of the labor market, really they're unemployed. In case 4.8 percent, 
it's uh, I mean, unemployment rate is is pretty low. It's not far from what the Fed sees as uh, longer run normal for unemployment. That's down from 5.2 percent uh, in August. The uh, broader U6 measure of underemployment also came down. So, uh, you know, again, not, not all the news in in this report is um, is bad. And the overwhelming evidence is that the labor market is, is in some sense uh, tight already. We had very strong uh, wage growth in this report, 0.6% month-on-month in average hourly earnings. Uh, so, again, the overall picture is, is uh, stronger than the, you know, the headline payroll number makes it seem. Well, Brian, it is interesting to hear your take with respect to how the Fed might be interpreting the data we received this morning and how this data might influence the policy path forward and what we might hear at this highly anticipated upcoming November policy meeting, especially with respect to tapering. So uh, thank you for unpacking the jobs report for us, Brian. I know the jobs report, probably the marquee data release this week outside of jobs. Any other notable data point releases from this week you can share with us, Brian? So the other you know, big release was the ISM services uh, and uh, you know that is the you know it represents almost ninety percent of the economy. It gives us a timely snapshot of current uh, economic conditions. In my view, this is one of the most important monthly releases, and that uh, was quite good. So uh, surprise, the upside moved a little bit higher, and both both the ISM services PMI and and the manufacturing PMI both above. 60, which historically is, you know, very strong uh, level. So, uh, you know, helps uh, seeing strength in that data kind of offset some of the other, the weakness we've seen in some of the other uh, numbers. Uh, I would say, though, that, you know, on the on the downside, we had the uh, trade deficit coming in wider than expected. That uh, lowers, lowers the GDP growth estimates because we're, you know, uh, importing more that that goes in as a negative into GDP. And the Atlanta Fed puts out something called GDP Now. It's a a constantly updated tracking estimate for for GDP growth. That GDP Now for the third quarter is all the way down to 1.3% annualized. So back at when they came out with the initial forecast for third quarter, it was over 6%. And now it's all the way down to 1.3%. So it gives you a sense of just how weak the data has been uh, coming in. You know, data has surprised to the downside, especially consumer spending has surprised um, has surprised the downside. But again, I would say a lot of this, you know, can be blamed on the higher COVID case counts. You know, those are coming down now. I don't think this is, you know, by any means, uh, you know, that the end of the recovery or anything like that as the COVID cases come down. I think we will see you know, general rebound in the economic data. We're still looking for strong growth uh, in the quarter, in the present quarter, you know, in the fourth quarter of the year. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing your interpretations of some recent data points. And I know next week is a busy week ahead for data releases. We'll get to that in a few moments. Before we do so, I know we've been closely tracking a debt ceiling negotiations down in Washington. It sounds like we have a short-term uh, solution in play. We've, of course, been tracking other notable legislative items, debates occurring up on Capitol Hill as well, though specific to the debt ceiling, Brian, uh, where do we stand as of this morning? Uh, so uh, late last night, the Senate uh, 
passed uh, passed a short-term uh, hike in the debt ceiling. So they raised it by $480 billion, which you know sounds like a lot, but uh, is only going to get us into December or at the very best into early January. So just a short-term, you know, raising enough to get us... Uh, uh, a, buy us a little bit of time, you know, avoid the danger of uh, of a default, um, but it still is going to, you know, leave us in the same situation, uh, you know, a couple of months down uh, down the road, and a very acrimonious uh, vote. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer, you know, had had. Um, you know some some nasty comments to to uh, say after the vote, and uh, some of the Republicans who voted to um, you know lift the filibuster so that the vote could take place were very unhappy with what Schumer said. Said I, I'll, I'll never you know I'll never do that again. I'm next time I'm I'm not going to vote to lift the, the filibuster. So uh, it'll be interesting to see you know one way or another. Uh, a more permanent solution for the debt ceiling will have to be reached, and you know the, the the level of acrimony in Washington is is as high as ever. So we'll have to see, you know, how that uh, goes. In the end, the Democrats, uh, despite their protests, may may use reconciliation to to lift uh, the debt ceiling. So this you know is going to create uncertainty in the you know in the not too distant future, and then. Uh, you know, in terms of the fiscal packages that uh, they're trying to to get through, uh, there are you know lots of uh, ongoing discussions, especially between uh, you know moderates. Uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and President Biden met again uh, yesterday, trying to work out some kind of deal. So you know, we do expect in the end that these packages will pass, um, but uh, you know, a lot lots of negotiations between between now and then. Yeah, it sounds like Senator Manchin, he's holding firm on that $1.5 trillion cap. Uh, though, to your point, Brian, it should be interesting following the headlines up until December to see how this plays out and ultimately what happens. But thank you, Brian, for bringing us up to speed on where we stand with the debt ceiling as of today. All right, maybe one final point we can hit on before we close out. As I mentioned, we, of course, like to look ahead to next week and take pulse on what might move markets. What's happening next week, Brian, that you'll be keeping an eye out for? In terms of economic data, there's a lot of key indicators out next week. We get the NFIB survey of small business and also the jolts, the job openings data. So, you know, again, I suspect the state is going to be really strong and might help to, you know, uh, offset offset the weakness in the payroll data we had uh, this morning. And then we get the inflation data. We have the CPI also uh, producer price index, import and export prices. You know, obviously this is really important for uh, the markets uh, these days. You know, we, we're trying to understand what's going on in, in terms of uh, inflation. Uh, we get the retail sales, another you know, very important uh, indicator. Uh, again, consumer spending has been weak. So we'll see, you know, if, if retail sales pick up. Uh, and we also get University of Michigan consumer sentiment, you know, another another indicator regarding uh, consumers. And then uh, last but not least, we get the FOMC minutes so uh, of, of the previous uh, meeting. And there, you know, it would be really interesting to see what the discussion was like, 
did they talk about the tapering plans? You know, how quickly might they taper? So uh, all all uh, very interesting uh, things to watch next week. Yeah, a busy week ahead, especially if you're an economist. So with that in mind, Brian, I wish you a restful weekend. Uh, we'll keep in touch next week and see how these data points play out, what we hear from the Fed. Uh, though, Brian, as always, thank you for dropping by, unpacking all that you did for us. Very helpful commentary, and we'll look forward to having you back on again with us soon. Thanks very much. Great to be with you. Thank you, Brian. And again, today we've been joined by Brian Rose, Senior Economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.